Welcome to the CR Checkup Podcast. My name is John. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ that struggles with drugs, alcohol, pride, and control. Hey everybody, welcome back to the CR Checkup Podcast. I'm so grateful to have each and every one of you here with us today. I hope that I got a chance to see you either on Monday at our Goodyear group or on Wednesday at our Buckeye group. But whether you come to our group or you don't, you're in another state or a different country, no matter where you are at, we love you so much. And we're so grateful that you're checking us out today, joining in on the conversation that we started in this case on Monday night. And I got my good friend here with us, super excited to be able to talk about his testimony that he just shared. Um, Brother, would you uh, introduce yourself for us? Yeah, man, I'm super stoked to be here. My name is Dylan. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with drug addiction. What up, Dylan? Thanks so much for being here today, bro. Definitely, bro. Definitely. I'm stoked. And uh, you you just gave your testimony for us uh, uh, just on Monday night, and we're super grateful for that. But you are already out of town though where are you at bro i'm uh, actually in california man one of the blessings of recovery um my daughter starts kindergarten on monday so that's coming up quick so uh taking advantage of this last little piece of summer vacation taking her to disneyland um she's uh she's incredibly privileged and blessed kid Mm -hmm. man we just got back from hawaii like a month ago so now she's in disneyland and um just enjoying that time man to be a father enjoying that time that i didn't always have and you know trying to uh be present because I wasn't always present in the past. So really taking these moments as a blessing right now. Yeah, man. So cool, dude. I love just being able to just see how, you know, God has blessed you in that, in those ways to be able to just take advantage of family time and getting out and enjoying his creation and all those good things. And so, um, Hey, thanks for making the time to still come here on the podcast. Um, and it just shows kind of your devotion and your willingness to give back to the community uh, that was there for you when you needed it too. Totally, man. Absolutely. It means a lot to me. I think it's uh, it's always really important to carry that message, you know, and if I'm asked to uh, be of service, I really do everything that I can do to be of service. Um, because like you said, somebody did it for me, man. Yeah. Right on, brother. Well, cool. So um, for those who don't know you, they don't come to our group or uh, they just missed or whatever, for whatever reason, they haven't heard your story before. Uh, Dylan's been with us for a couple of years now, several years now, actually. And so Mm -hmm. if you come to our Monday group or in Goodyear, you probably know him. You probably got a chance to meet him. Uh, Probably heard some of his story. But uh, hopefully there's some folks on here listening that haven't heard your story. And so would you mind just kind of uh, telling them, you know, where you came from, kind of uh, what brought you into the group and just, you know, where you're at now. Oh, uh, yeah, totally, man. I, yeah. And I've been with CR for I've been going to CR for, you know, around four years or so. Um, You guys, I consider Celebrate Recovery the first real seed planted, the kind of like the foundational piece in my uh, in my recovery. Um, I am 31 years old. I was born in Phoenix, Arizona to two teenage parents. Um, addiction, alcoholism that runs rampant in my family on both sides. So I come from a long line of drug addicts. I too fell into that cycle. Um, and I walked through the doors of Celebrate Recovery because of my drug addiction, you know, and I was under that false impression that the only thing that I struggled with was drug addiction. (laughs) You know, I thought that that was the only thing that I, I really had to get rid of in my life and that I would be okay. And that I could move on with my life. Um, but as you like to say, man, uh, whatever brings us through the door only opens the door. And that was truly the situation after so long of, you know, beating myself up 
and uh, just not surrendering fully. Once I got to that point and was able to surrender and was able to start taking suggestions and doing the things that I was uh, you know, asked to do and just paying attention and really working the 12 steps, I realized, man, my issues ran a lot deeper than that. You know, I, I'm a father, I'm a husband, and I wasn't always a very good one. You know, we just touched on it. You know, I'm here in California right now getting to enjoy that time as a father and a husband, and I wasn't that for a really long time, you know. I, I firmly believe that anything that stands between me and my drugs must and will go. And that's what happens when I'm on drugs, you know, and that included my, my, my wife and my kid, you know, and it got really dark, man. It got really, really dark. And I was trying to do it on my own for so long. And I was just digging myself further and further into this hole and I just could not figure out how to get out of it. I was relying on my own strength, on my own knowledge. And that just was a recipe for disaster right from the start, man. You know, so after failed, after so many failed attempts to get clean, after so many failed attempts to detox myself, um, swearing to goodness, this was going to be the different time, right? Like today's going to be the day, like I promise I'm not going to do it anymore, you know, but again, relying on my own strength, got to the point, man, where I became suicidal. I, I didn't think that I had a chance to make it out of drug addiction. I didn't think that I was ever going to be released from the chains that fentanyl had me in. You know, I just didn't think I had a shot at it. Eventually got to the point where I figured the only way out of that addiction was to end my life, you know, and I had this plan to drive up to Prescott, Arizona to go and end my life. And I was going to write a letter to my friends, to my family, to my daughter, explaining to her that daddy loves her so much, but daddy would not be there to watch her grow up. Um, and I thought that that's what I had to do to make things right. Hmm. As fate would have it, God was at work. One night while I'm sitting in my daughter's bedroom, I'm sitting there and I'm just absolutely miserable. I'm, I'm just depressed. I'm, like I said, suicidal and I'm broken and I'm tired. I'm exhausted from the ringer that drug addiction put me through, you know, and my wife comes up to me. She asked me the same question she asked me so many times before. The same question that I said no to so many times before. She said, Dylan are you finally ready to go to treatment? And I said, yes. And on July 17th, I drove up to Prescott, Arizona, the <laughs> same place that I thought I was going to end my life. I drove up to begin my life. And on July 18th, man, 2019, I began my journey into recovery. I truly feel reborn. And through the grace of God, and as a direct result of these 12 steps that you and I work together, uh, I celebrated two years of sobriety on July 18th, 2021. You know, and it's been a roller coaster and it's been a miracle. It's been the toughest, most rewarding, beautiful thing I have ever done in my entire life. Mm. Praise God, bro. Yeah. And I've loved uh, watching you every minute of it, bro. It's been uh, it's been really hasn't fun. always been easy for you, I'm sure. But I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, we ain't in it because it's easy, though. <laughs> right. Totally, man. So uh, something that you shared uh, in your testimony in person was uh, something that I think uh, it it made several people. I, I was talking with several people about it, but um, you had mentioned just with your childhood is uh, that you believe that um, you didn't have a bad childhood, but you had an inappropriate childhood. And I think that that's, a, that's such a, a profound kind of way of thinking. Can you kind of talk through a little bit uh, kind of why it's important for you to have that frame of mind for your childhood? So I never want to treat myself as the victim, right? And I never want to sit in self-pity, you know? And the truth of the matter is, 
my parents loved me and I firmly believe that they loved me. You know, my dad coached my basketball teams, my football teams, my baseball teams. You know, my mom loved me to death. Like I, there was a lot of love in my house, but there was also a lot of partying in my house. There was a lot of drugs in my house. There were a lot of drinking in my house. There was a lot of things that I just should not have been exposed to at such a young age. And right. my parents were teenagers when they had me, 17, 19 years old, right? So they're kids. This is a case of kids having kids. So I believe that they're doing the best that they can. I also believe that they did not heal from their childhood trauma. Right. And because they did not heal from their childhood trauma and their recent traumas, my dad lost his little brother when he, my, his little brother was only 15 years old. My dad was 20, 21 at the time. I'm just a toddler. My mom's a teenage mother. Now my dad is diving deep into the bottle. Now right. he's numbing emotions, numbing pain. Now my mom doesn't know to how to handle this. You add on top of that, I'm four years old. I w witnessed my uncle try to commit suicide right in front of me, announces that that's what he's going to do. We continue on down this path. And now I'm given freedom that I don't have any business having at six, seven, eight years old, going to right. concerts with my friends, running the streets. So I don't believe I had a bad childhood because I don't want to, like I said, treat it as a victim mentality, but I do believe it was an inappropriate childhood and that I suffered traumas that I need to heal from. And because I believe that I need to validate my experience, mm -hmm. right? So that's where that inappropriate childhood comes from. And that's something that we talked about a lot is like not disrespecting my emotions. I've been diving deep into meditation with some deep breathing exercises as well. Um, to kind of dive deeper into that area. But it's important for me to understand that what happened to me as a child was not only inappropriate, but it wasn't my fault. Yeah. And when I can accept that, deal with that, and then work on that, then from there, I can begin to forgive myself and I can learn to love myself. So I think it's a very important aspect of recovery for, for myself, at least. Yeah, for sure. No, I love what you said. You, to validate your experience, and I think it's it's difficult uh, for those of us who say, well, shoot, man, like I kind of enjoyed some of these things. And so, totally. like you said, it's it's being able to live in the dichotomy of, hey, this shouldn't have happened. Um, and even though maybe I enjoyed it, I played a part in it and whatever else, it's not my fault. And it's so important to like, that's just the perfect space to be in is not assuming a victim mentality while also not assuming blame for the things that happened to you when you were a child <laughs> that you couldn't right. you know you couldn't uh keep from happening and so um i just really think that's awesome and uh i i know for a fact uh just like i said talked to several people kind of about that and and uh, i would encourage anybody who has had similar situations to really think through that and what it looks like for for them too <clears throat> totally one of the things also that I wanted to talk about was uh, something that you were sharing um, going through recovery. Uh, you were talking about getting, you know, a new job and kind of giving up some things from your past and, um, you know, having an experience and, and humbling yourself uh, and taking a job that, you know, was certainly different than what you had been doing for a long time. Right. And what I wanted to bring up about that was kind of, I want to kind of frame it in a question because, you know, I kind of already know the answer, but I really want to talk through it with <laughs> right. you is kind of in your recovery. Now you're not using drugs and alcohol anymore. You're not using any minor mood altering substances, but you still had some things that were kind of getting in your way of being 
like in recovery, right? You're sober. Totally. Some things are right. kind of holding you back. And and I think a lot of that was wrapped up in, you know, not wanting to take jobs and all that, those other things. So uh, could you, could you kind of share with us a little bit, what was, what was something early on in your recovery that was kind of holding you back from taking the steps that you needed to not just be sober, but to work a recovery program? Yeah. And I, and I think, uh, you know, and this may sound wrong depending on the audience, but I'm not interested in sober, right? Like yeah. I'm interested in recovery straight up, man. Like I have a shelf Amen. life on how long I'll do sober because that sounds miserable. Like I <laughs> want to be working on me and I want to be in recovery and I want to be giving back what was so freely given to me. And I want to continue to take those steps that are bringing me closer to what God sees fit for my life to look like as difficult as that may be all of the time. Right. Right. Um, but in early recovery, no, no doubt about it, man, my ego. My ego and my lack of humility, man. Like I was just like this pistol. I was always popping off at the mouth still. Like I was like willing to do whatever it took, but like still felt the need to be like defiant and combative, like at every turn, you know, and Mm -hmm. it was my ego, man. And I'll never forget it. This therapist um, at a meeting one day comes up to me and says, Dylan, you know what? You got a paycheck personality, kid. You need to go and humble yourself and wash some dishes. And I looked at him and I really took that in. I really thought about what this man had just said, because up to that point, like I call my own shots, right? Like I'm working at, I, I have two different jobs during active addiction, both as independent contractors, my main source of income through real estate. I think I'm bad because I'm selling real estate, commercial real estate, handling deals with a doctor and a lawyer, you know, all while doing a uh, uh, fentanyl. And, and that's what my mind tells me. Like that's, that's okay. It's time to jump right back into it. Right. Right. Right back into it. That just wasn't the situation, man. I needed to humble myself. I needed some humility in my life. Um, and this guy tells me this and I took him serious. I didn't end up going to wash dishes, but what I did do was go and load boxes um, at a warehouse into trucks with kids almost half my age for the least amount of money that I'd made since I was 16 years old. And this has nothing to do with the money. This has right. nothing to do with uh, washing dishes or loading boxes or trucks being a disingenuous job or that, that there's no honor to it. Cause I don't believe that at all. It was about money to recovery. Right. And when I did that and I took that step back and I realized Dylan, you're not Mr. Realtor. You're not Mr. Tough guy. Like you try to build yourself up to be for so long. Right. Mm. You're not the smartest man in the world. I know that hurts to hear Dylan, but we're not <laughs> the smartest man in the world. So let's take a step back. And when I was yeah. able to do that, And I did that, man. And I showed up every single night and I loaded those boxes. I did physical labor, man. They had me working my tail off, you know, for like I said, the least amount of money. And then we add on to the fact that I have to move in with my my wife's family. And then the neighbor across the street, their kid, their high school kid is working with me. So now I have to look at that as well, right? As a sign of like where I'm at, right? But all of those things continue to bring much needed humility into my life. You know, and I think humility has a negative uh, uh, association with it a lot of times as in a, a bad thing. Right? right. Humility saved my life. Humility mm-hmm. is a is a is an honorable trait to have as a man. I firmly believe, you know, um, and, I, and I always say it, man. I was so broke going into that job. <laughs> And if I needed any more humility, this this absolutely provided it, man. I couldn't even afford to buy the boots to go to work, man. Because I, and this is another thing I think is so important to, to highlight. I couldn't afford to buy those boots because that first four months of my recovery was dedicated strictly to my recovery. Mm-hmm. I did not care what my bank account looked like, right? In the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about the man who puts his 
economic well-being before his spiritual well-being and how that rarely works out. I mm-hmm. took that to heart and I dedicated that first four months to meetings, recovery, step work, fellowship, staying on the phone, just learning how to be clean, man. So when I go and finally accept to do this job and my wife has to buy my boots for me, that hurt, man. That was a blow to my ego, right? But I save those boots to this day. I have those boots in my closet and I do not plan on getting rid of those things, man, because those things were torn up, tattered apart, uh, just laces busted. I literally had to glue the soles back onto them so many times, like numerous times I glued the soles back onto those things, man. But I look at those boots and that's exactly how I feel. I was beaten, broken, torn up, soul glued back, but I left intact, man, from my drug addiction by the grace of God. So it was a it was a huge experience for me to to be able to humble myself and take the necessary steps, not just inside of the rooms, but outside of the rooms right. to stay clean. Yeah, dude, that's so good. And it's so important because and this is the other thing of just having the right type of mentality, because outside looking in, um, hey, bro, you're, you're doing the right thing. Finally, you're getting on the right track, but it doesn't necessarily look like that by society standards, especially, uh, by the standards that you would set for yourself. Right. Right. Totally. And so uh, a lot of times people early in recovery, um, can't see that as progress, right? Like, bro, I'm I'm doing the right thing, but everything, nothing's working out for me. And, (laughs) you know, and you you take, you take a step back and and you look, you say, bro, I'm making the least amount of money that I've ever made. I got a piece, you know, pair of cruddy boots on my feet and I'm working with the neighbor (laughs) kid living with my, my in-laws you know what I mean? This is great, right? Like, no, like that's not, not necessarily how it seems, but but it's it's different, right? I mean, totally having a different type of mentality and understanding what it is that you were after, having that right frame of mind to hopefully get you to place that you needed to be, I think is yeah. is super important because we're not gonna be able to um, and you kind of talked about this. Also in, in your, your uh, testimony there about kind of uh, gauging your success by, you know, first your grades and then, and then, you know, your, your, your finances and these things. And I think that was kind of a revelation um, for you was experiencing, Hey, like this doesn't, I can't, I can't get my um, worth or I can't find out how successful I am based off of these external things, it has to be within. And um, I think that that, uh, it it definitely proved to to be super beneficial. I saw that change in you and I see you continuing to do that. And it's something that I continue to do as well is is humbling myself and looking for opportunities uh, to let God be God. And uh, it's just always going to be better out that way. Um, I agree, man. Excuse me. Um, but I do think that that kind of brings us into right now in our group, we're talking about step two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. And uh, uh, man, we spent some time on this, huh? <laughs> we spent yeah, some man, time on step sure. two. And uh, we've had plenty of conversations about people or, or, or just experiences in the program of people kind of s- skipping over this, like, oh, yeah, I guess he probably could do yeah. that. So whatever. Um would you share a little bit of your experience in step two and kind of the time that we took on it and what that meant for you? Um, and kind of maybe just some advice that you would give somebody who's working through step two or, um, just some thoughts about it, anything, uh, kind of step two related. 
So with step two, man, I think, um, and I think so much of these steps, man, it's a heart condition. What I was looking for when I was working these steps was, was my heart changed during this step, right? And truly coming to believe, you know, and one of the things that you had me do um, when I was working my step two that I've carried on to my sponsees that I work with now is writing that letter to God, you know, and writing that letter to God and then spending that time with God and truly, I mean, to come to believe that he can restore sanity, to truly come to believe that with my heart, man, that takes so much burden off of me, right? And mm -hmm. what do we always say in, in, in group, right? Like, coming to believe that God could, even if I didn't necessarily think he would, right? Mm -hmm. If I believe that he can, the burden is off of me, right? The burden is off of me, you know? And if I work this proper step one, then I understand what powerless is and I understand what acceptance is. And once <laughs> I can practice that acceptance, okay, now I know that this is out of my control. I cannot restore sanity to the situation, but I know someone that can, right? <laughs> and then if I can work that solid step too, man, like I said, it takes the pressure off of me. It takes the burden off of me. And it allows me to build that relationship because hold your nose, here comes step three. You're about to ask me to turn my will over to this God, right? Mm -hmm. So for me to be able to turn my will over to something, right? Turn my will over to God. For me to do that in a healthy way, I had to come to believe God was as powerful as he says he is, right? And that took me developing a personal relationship with God. Not what everyone else tells me, not even necessarily what men, like not what I hear, mm -hmm. but what I developed with God. And I think that is the most important aspect for step two with me is developing that personal relationship with God. When I'm working with a sponsee, I tell them get as rigorously honest with this letter as possible. I want you to say everything you gotta say, good or bad, I want resentment, praise. I don't care. This is the time that we're going to start building this relationship with God and we're going to get to know him. And again, when I can do that in a healthy way and I can truly believe that he will restore sanity to a situation that I am powerless over, the burden is off of me. Yeah, that's so good, dude. Yeah, I think, you know, working through this step too, and the reason why I believe it's so important to kind of discover God uh, his character on my own versus what other people have maybe shared with me is I think a lot of us carry in misconceptions about God and we totally. have him associated to what other people have said. Right. And oh, maybe totally. some of those things are true, but if that guy who told me a true statement said it with kind of an attitude that I didn't really appreciate, then that's right. associated with the characteristic that he told me about God. Right. And I carry all those things into uh, this, this burden that step two is talking about and just trying to find out if this God could even restore me to sanity. One, even coming to terms with the fact that I might be, in fact, insane, you know, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and then, you know, talking to a God and finding out who he is and seeing if he's even capable of, of doing anything uh, that he says the, that he is even before I even try to come to him and ask him to do that for me. And uh, totally. just building that relationship and even just be building the premise of the relationship, right? Like we talk about this all the time in the group where it's like, man, I don't, I'm not going to, it's, it's not appropriate or healthy for me to jump into a, a long-term relationship with somebody that I don't know anything about. Right. <laughs> right. Totally, man. Totally. And so yeah. go ahead. 
Oh, uh, I, I just, I agree with that so much. And I, that's actually a conversation I just had with someone, you know, I, I told them, I was speaking with this person. Um, and I told him, I said, Hey man, we've known each other for what? A couple of years. Okay. And it's taken us a while before you're willing and comfortable <laughs> to speak with me fully. Right. So you we've been building this relationship. Is that fair to say? He's like, yeah. Yeah, that's fair to say. I'm like, okay. Would you have told me what you told me today? Would you have told me that on our first night we ever met? No, I wouldn't have said that. Okay. Do you believe after building this relationship with me that I have the best my the best intentions for you, that I have your best interest in mind when giving you suggestions, albeit from a flawed man, but when I'm giving you suggestions that I have your best interest in mind? Yeah, I do. It's like, why is this any different with God, man? Like mm. build that relationship. I feel like it's not a quick fix. I'm not going to pray and then be like, okay, well, where are you at God? You know, like that's <laughs> not how this thing works. Like I have to take the time to get to familiarize myself with God's voice. Right. Because yeah. if I can't understand or remember what God's voice sounds like, then, you know, I, I won't, I might miss it. I might miss it. I don't know. You know? So I just think it's really important. Like you said, develop that personal uh, relationship, man. And not even take it from, I mean, even from an outsider's perspective, maybe who's not a follower of Christ. So many times what I get when I bring up God or when I talk about Jesus Christ or anything like that is, oh, church isn't for me. Church isn't <laughs> right. for me. And I'm like, well, I didn't say anything about church. I just yeah. said a relationship with God, right? Like, so I think that personal relationship is so important. Man. Yeah, to separate the two and understand this is so much bigger than a building. It's so much bigger Correct. than a religion or laws or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I've been hearing this a lot uh, lately is uh, the infinite wants to be intimate. And I think that that mm. just really summarizes a, a lot of understanding. It's bigger than me and it's so much closer to me than, you know, I, I really ever allow it to be. Totally so do. right on, man. Um, so one of the other things I always like to ask is just kind of hopefully we've got some newcomers you're listening and. Uh, just, you know, what would you share with them? Maybe they're on step two, maybe they haven't started, or maybe they're wherever they're at. Um, what would just be some advice maybe that was good, that was given to you, or maybe you wish that somebody would have told you uh, when you got started? What would you tell the newcomer? Oh, man, uh, honestly, it's nothing profound at all. It, it's It's possible, you know, mm -hmm. and there are people there that truly understand what you're going through. I felt unique. I didn't feel like anyone truly understood what I was going through. And then one night after a meeting, you and another member of Celebrate Recovery ran after me. You mm -hmm. didn't let me leave the parking lot and you talked to me. And that was a serious, serious moment in my recovery. I didn't realize it then, but it was a serious moment in my recovery. This thing is possible. You know, we, we joked about it last night. Well, I mean, we were pretty serious, but we <laughs> said it in a joking way, I guess. It didn't look like I was going to make it, right? Yeah. Like, it looked like I was not going to get clean, but I kept coming back. And you guys welcomed me back every single time. You welcomed me back. It is 100% possible. I, help, I felt hopeless. I felt helpless. I felt that the only way to get out of my drug addiction was to end my life. And that just was not true whatsoever. God had a plan for me. God loves me. And my Celebrate Recovery family was there for me. You know, and I, dude, it's so cliche, man, but just keep coming back. <laughs> like, even if it doesn't click right away, because it didn't click for me right away. It took two years, man two years before it clicked for me, two years before I said, you know what, I think I actually have to work these 12 steps, you know, and 
it took a long time, but once I finally accepted that and stopped fighting it, it got a lot, <laughs> not easier at the beginning, but it did get easier eventually, you know, but it, it's absolutely been the most rewarding thing. So anybody out there thinks that it's not possible to get clean or that you're destined to die alone, you're better off alone, the world's better off without you. Um, you'll never be uh, break free from this drug addiction. Let me just be the first one to tell you or the millionth one to tell you that that's <laughs> simply not true, man. And it sounds crazy, man. But like, if I can get clean, man, so can anybody. Oh, man. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I, I think it's funny. I remember when my mom told me, yeah, I don't, I didn't think you were going to make it. And you know, my, my drug counselor, <laughs> yeah, bro, I'm glad you finished this class, but I didn't think you were going to make it, you know, and it's those harsh realities. And that's why I, I say it like it is to you too. And the people who, yeah, who hear it, because, um, you know, a lot of us feel like that, or some of us don't feel like that. And maybe we should, you know, but understanding, totally. you know, what it looks like and, uh, and, uh, just the capabilities of the program. So, no, yeah, and I just want before you do before you do that though, I want to highlight one more thing, man, because I don't sure. want this anyone to hear this and think that uh you were negative or you were bad or anything, right? Like this is the power of the program, and this is the the power of men like yourself who give away what was so freely given to you, even though you didn't have much you didn't think that I was gonna make it, or I didn't even think that I was gonna make it, right? Mm -hmm. Even if that was your mindset, you stayed there with me. Mm -hmm. You loved me even when there was very little hope that I was gonna make it, right? You stuck it out with me. You were there to answer my phone call every single time, no matter what it was, dude. And that is the power of this program and these mm. 12 steps. And like you said, come to the meetings all you want. We welcome you back all of the time. But if you want the genuine healing that this program has to offer, man, grab a sponsor and work these 12 steps, man. So mm. I just wanted to give you some love and shout out mm. and clarity on that statement for that <laughs> as well. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, that's not a, we don't necessarily do it for the, for success, right? It's just, we do right. it because we, somebody did it for us, right? So we keep on right, giving dude. it away. Totally. And uh, absolutely, so it's only by the power of God that any of us are, are healed. And, and it's not how well I do or anything like that, but just like, you've got to keep showing up as a sponsee. Right. I got to keep showing up as a sponsor and totally, uh, God does bro. the miracles. So right. one last thing before we roll out of here, um, Man, my biggest hope is that somebody's listening right now because somebody was like, hey, I know that you're not into recovery or church or God or celebrate recovery or anything like that at all. And I know you keep on telling me that you never want to go to a meeting or to church or to listen. I don't even want to talk about recovery or nothing like that. But please, <laughs> you just got to listen to this podcast because it was so good. And they're listening to this podcast right now and they think recovery is dumb or maybe they don't even mess with drugs or alcohol and they're thinking celebrate recovery is dumb or whatever it may be. Um, what would you share with those people, man? Dude, like I said, so I envy people who didn't have to go down the same road that I went to find this program, right? Amen. I firmly believe, because I don't just struggle with drugs, right? I struggle with some codependency, right? I struggle with fear. I struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression. I struggle with sexual purity. I struggle with pornography, right? Like I struggle with lust, right? And I, there's this list of things that I struggle that I can apply these 12 steps towards, mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't matter. Like I've recently given up even pornography. It's been a while for that as well, right? Because I want to continue removing things out of my life that separate me from God and move me closer to living that clean life that I strive for, right? I fail at mm -hmm. it a lot, but that's what I strive for, right? 
So these 12 steps can be applied towards anything in my life, man. Taking self-inventory, admitting when I'm wrong, and asking God to remove these defects of character, these shortcomings for me, believing that God can restore sanity, practicing acceptance, turning my will over to the care of God, praying and meditating on his word, and then flipping that all around into the being of service to my fellow man. There's nothing you can do to convince me that that's not a great setup, you know? Mm -hmm. And for anyone out there who thinks that recovery is boring, sobriety is boring, I can tell you wholeheartedly that my life has never been better. I have never <laughs> laughed harder. I have never smiled more. And there were plenty of times where I was partying, drinking and drugging with tears rolling down my face. That mm -hmm. is not fun. That is not a party. That is a death sentence. That is a prison cell that I have no business being in anymore. This recovery life has given me everything that drugs promised, but they <laughs> lied about it. Amen. That's right, bro. And dude, I mean, I see you stepping up your game uh, with business. I see you stepping up your game as a father, as a husband, as a friend, uh, as a servant to, to God. And I, yeah, man, I attribute it all to just seeing that dedication to giving back and being uh, humbled in the program. And so, yeah, man, and for whatever, whatever it is out there, if you're just looking at, even if it's just a better quality of life, you're totally. going to be able to find that uh, at a group like Celebrate Recovery or a Celebrate Recovery. So, Dylan, thank you, man. I'm so proud of you, bro, and I love you. Enjoy your vacation. Thanks again for taking some time out to, to spend uh, with us. And I know it's going to be a blessing to anybody who hears it. For sure, man. John, I love you so much, bro, and thank you so much for having me. This is always an honor to get back to CR. Right on, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right, bro. Thank you for listening to the CR Checkup Podcast. This podcast is meant to start conversations, not end them. So we hope that you continue to have conversations wherever you are at. And if you're enjoying this podcast, then please share it with someone else. You can also reach us by emailing recovery at palmvalley.org.